Good morning, Grace Hills. I looked out there and a few of you guys seemed like you were worshiping Jesus a little more, uh, asking him to take the pain away from last night's basketball game. And uh, we are a church for the broken to find healing, so you're at the right place this morning. Oh, man. Hey, we're excited that you're here today. I love what, um, what Austin was saying earlier, that we have a purpose for being here. There's a reason for being here. Let me say this. God has a purpose for your life. God has something that he wants to do in and through us. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We are in our series right now that we're called Uncommon. We're going to be in it this week and then next week. And then we're going to shift into kind of looking towards Easter after that. Let me encourage you and invite you to that Easter is one of the easiest opportunities to invite somebody to church, and I want to encourage you to do that. Um, and the reason why we do that, and let me just say this, isn't because we just want our church to grow and because we just want a lot of things in here. But I mean, you know, it's that we believe the message that we have. We believe that there is healing to be found in Jesus and that powerful things happen when we give our life to him. And so that's the reason why we encourage you to invite people is because we believe in what God can do in and through people's lives here. Amen. 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 Hey, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to start today. We are a church that believes in making a difference. We're in our series called Uncommon. What we're talking about is some of the things that when Casey and I were looking at a church, where do we want to be a part of? What do we want to invest in? Where do we want to be our lives? There were some things that were special about this church that we looked at. And so maybe if you're here and you're new today, let me encourage you that there's some great things that are happening here, some uncommon things that I think are so great. And one of the things is that we are a church that believes in making a difference, that we want to put action to our faith, right? That we're not just a church that we say that we just want to come in this room, right? We just want to attend and sit in our seats and learn and grow and then go off on our own way. But we believe that God wants us to go through those doors and go out into our communities, go into our families, go into our jobs and begin to make a difference. In a sense, I think what we do here on Sundays is something that prepares us for the ministry that God has for us throughout the week, the ministry that we do in our jobs and in our families and in our relationships. See, we are a church that is full-heartedly invested in making a difference in Northwest Arkansas. One of the things that I loved when we came here to kind of interview is we went to an elder meeting and it was one of the first times that we kind of, they interviewed me and asked me a lot of questions. And so we were kind of out there in the, um, the little foyer area and we were standing out there and Todd Crowder um, came in and he was, he came in and he was talking to us and um, he's one of, was kind of the oldest guy in the room. And so he started talking about how old he was for a second and we wanted to say like, Todd, you're not about to die. You're not that old. And, uh, and he kept talking about it. But then he said something that was one of the biggest moments, I think, that made me go, okay, this is a place that we want to be. This is the place that we want to join up to. This is the place that we want to invest our lives in. Because we were sitting there and he said, you know, as I'm kind of getting a little older in life, I'm looking at things and I realize I don't have so, there's only so many days, right, that I have left. And he said, with those days that we have, I want to make a difference. And he started talking about this church and he said, we don't want just this to be a church that is just kind of just doing things under the scenes and not really going out and accomplishing things. But he said, I want us to be a church that's going and doing and making a difference. And that was one of the moments that I said, yeah, that's the place that I want to invest in because I don't want to just come and feed on myself and learn about myself. But how many of you know that we are called to go and make a difference? We're committed as a church to being a church that puts action to our faith and make a difference in Northwest Arkansas. We're not content to find Jesus on our own. 
We're not content to grow spiritually on our own. We're not committed to just going and just building a really good building and having really great services and really great worship. But we are dedicated to making a difference in people's lives through Jesus. That's one of the things I love about Grace Hills when we were coming around. Um, I was talking to a friend back in Elk City which is where we're from. And uh, he was talking to me. He's like, man, you guys are doing so much. And I'm like, yeah, they're doing so much. He's like, do you even know all the mission stuff that you guys are doing? I'm like, I don't even have a clue yet. And I'm like, I've only been here for a couple weeks and I feel like every time I talk to somebody, I'm figuring out something else that we're doing, something else that we're making a difference in, something else we're giving to, some other place that we're investing in. And that's what I love about this church is because there's so many things that we're doing. We're not content to have faith on our own, but we want to put action to that and make a difference. We're not me-focused because it's not just about what can happen for me, but what can God do through me. And that's a difference that we got to make and a change that we make as believers is there's this moment where, where you come to Christ and then God does something in us, but it's not just so he can do something in us, but it's also so he can begin to do things through us. I was talking to um, somebody in the church the other day and uh, we were talking about some different parts of the church and he said a line that I thought was so great. He was telling us, he said, um, he said man, my family is so blessed and he said, and because of that, we want to we bless other people. And he was talking about some ways that he was giving. And he said, I, you know, we are blessed. That way we can be a blessing. And I love that idea, right? Because it's the idea that it's not just about me accumulating. It's not just about me gathering. It's not just about what can, what can God bring to me. But it's that I am blessed. That way I can be a blessing. It's not just about what God does in me, but what God can do through me. I was talking to somebody else this last week. Um, a girl in our church, and she had a couple of lines I thought was really good. She was saying, you know, the way I look at it is I've got so many hours in a week, and she, I don't know the math, I'm not that good at math, but she had all the math figured out. And she said, I got this many hours that are dedicated to work, and she said, I got this many hours, right, that are, that are dedicated um, to sleep, and then she said, that leaves me with this many hours in my life that I can go and make a difference, and that's what I want to do. And I thought, man, what kind of difference could we make if we had that attitude? That that's who we're called to be. And that's what we're dedicated as a church. And so this week, right, we're doing Love Week. That's a big part of what we're doing over the next few days. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up to be a part of something, sign up to be a part of something. But really, in reality, Love Week, I think, is a condensed version of what we want to do throughout the whole year. Right? It's not just about one week we go and serve, but it's a condensed version of what we're doing throughout the whole year. And so as we go into Love Week this morning, I think it's important for us to remember kind of this is who we are as a church. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, that we're called to be a church that goes and makes a difference. Because if we're going to be a church that looks like Jesus, let me say that again, if we're going to be a church that looks like Jesus, then we've got to be a church that's making a difference. And I'll say that about our own lives personally. If we're going to be people that look like Jesus, then we've got to be people that are going and making a difference. So to remind us of that, we're going to read from the book of James today. If you've got your Bibles with you, we'll also have it on the screen. We're going to be reading in James chapter 2. And in these verses, James kind of throws down the gauntlet a little bit. You know, there's some verses in the Bible that just make you feel really good about yourself and feel really great. I was thinking about um, John 3.16, right? That's a really great verse. For God so loved the world, right? That's us. That he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? You read that one and it just makes you feel good about everything. I call that a wall hanger, right? That's something you would put on a sign and hang it on the wall. You know, one of my favorite verses, Romans 12.21, do not be overcome by evil 
evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a good one. That's a, that's a wall hanger. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, to not do you harm. Like, that's a good one. Now, this one that we're going to read today, James, is one of those that I would say, it's kind of like a gut puncher. You read it, and it, it kind of gives you a little bit of a reality check, and you read it, and you got to say, okay, like I need, to, I need to assess my life. I need to look at my life a little bit. And so we're going to read this together today, but I think it's so powerful that if we read this and apply this to our life, it'll change your life. Here's what it says, James chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, some may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me by your your faith if you don't have any good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. He says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in tower. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Hmm. Hey, let's pray before we get into the scripture this morning. Dearly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And God, um, we just pray that you do a work inside of us today. Pray that you highlight this, this word in our hearts, that the Holy Spirit, that you just begin to make it grow inside of us. That these aren't just mere words that come out of this scripture today, but that life change happens. God, I know I don't have a whole lot to say today, but I know that you do. So I pray that you just say the right words to our hearts and to our minds In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Here's what I love about these verses that James makes it really clear. Makes it really clear that real faith is always coupled with action. And here's a couple ways that he shows this. Number one is this, is that he tells us that simply believing in God is meaningless. Simply believing in God is meaningless. I love in this, sometimes when we read the Bible, we read it very monotone, we read it very passively, and when you know faith without works is dead. But what I love in this scripture is that James, he gets a little sarcastic. There's humor in the Bible, there's some sarcasm in the Bible, and I love what he does. He, he just calls it like he sees it. He just says it, James 2, verses 19 through 20, here's what he says. He says, you say you have faith, but you, uh, for you believe that there is one God, and he says, good for you. Like, we're real proud of you. And then he just throws down the gauntlet and he says, even the demons believe that. He's saying, wow, really good job. He says, and they tremble in tower. And then he says this, he says, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Here's what he's saying is this, is that belief that God exists and just believing alone is meaningless to your life. Here's a, here's a simpler way of saying it, is that believing God exists doesn't change anything in your life, doesn't change anything in other people's lives. It is faith with action that makes a difference. I'll give you an illustration of the difference between kind of belief and faith. Um, anybody ever, you ever done one of the trust falls? Um, I don't do them anymore because I had a really bad experience with one. And uh, I'll just say it was a little bitty uh, youth kid teenager that thought they could catch me and that did not turn out well. But 
If you do a trust fall, right, you stand here, and if you haven't seen it before, somebody stands behind you, and the idea is if you trust them, then you, then you fall back, and then when you fall, they'll catch you, and it's trying to, it gets a little nerve-wracking sometimes because they might drop you, and you're standing there, and you fall into them. So the difference between belief and faith is this. Let me give you an example. So if, say I had somebody standing behind me. I can see them. If it's a teenager, I can smell them usually. I know they're there, right? I can see everything about them, and that's a belief. That's a belief to say, okay, I can see you. I can, I can, I can touch you. I can, I got all that. I see, I believe that you're there. That's belief, believing that somebody's there. But, but faith is kind of like the, the coupling of belief, right, and trust into a thing of where not only do I believe that you're there, but now I'm willing to trust you into the point to where it becomes action, and I'm actually going to trust you to the point to where I'm going to fall into you and believe that you're going to catch me. See, it doesn't do a whole lot if I just say, yeah, you're there, and I believe that you're there. But it's the coupling of belief and trust that wa- walks into action. Man, that is what his faith is. James 2.22 talks about this a few verses later. He says that this way. He talks about Abraham, and he says that it is his actions that made his faith complete. The idea is that that faith is the belief and the trust and that it becomes complete to when it begins to turn into action. See, belief alone does nothing. It is faith that makes a difference. And this statement that it's not just belief, but it's faith that makes a difference is hits really, really hard in today's society where cultural Christianity is a really, really big deal. You think about it, um, most people in America, a giant majority of people in America, if you asked them, you know, they'd say, yeah, you know, I believe in God, my, and I'm a Christian. My, my grandparents um, were Christians, and my great-grandparents were Christians, and I believe in God, so I'm a, I'm a Christian. If you talk to somebody on the street and said, hey, are you a Christian, right? A lot of, and you'd say, well, why are you a Christian? A lot of them would say, well, I believe in God, right? And that's kind of the idea. I'll give you an example. Um, I grew up in Mississippi. And in Mississippi, I looked up the stats the other day, and it said that 82% of people in Mississippi believe in God with absolute certainty. And I can tell you, because I lived in Mississippi, that 82% of those people are not Christians. A lot of them aren't walking that out. There's a difference there. What, what, is, what does that mean? If, if belief isn't enough, James says that belief without faith is pointless. And then even more so, he says that, that faith without actions is dead, which brings us to a really important question. And I think this is something that we need to, to address because I think so many people get tripped up on this. Is James saying that you have to work your way into heaven? Is James saying you got to have enough good deeds that God will love you and then all of a sudden then you worked your way into heaven and you could be in heaven? That's not what he's saying. I want to pause. Let us look at this, kind of put our theological hats on for a second. Because to some people, they see a contradiction between James and Paul. And then Paul tells us, right, that it's, that it's faith alone and grace alone that you are saved. And then people read these scriptures by James and says, well, now he's saying that i got to have works. What is it? Is it, is it faith or is it, is it works? But Paul and James are saying the same thing in a little different way. And we'll kind of walk through that. Both James and Paul, they were... In an early church context, that was really divisive for a little while. And there was this idea where they were, they were separating people out and saying, are you, are you a faith person or are you a works person? Where are you at? And both of these guys kind of come together in harmony and say, it's not faith or works, but it's faith that produces works. It's not faith or works, but it's faith that produces works. An easy way of saying it is that, that faith is always working. Faith is always working. Let me give you where Paul says it, right? Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10. Paul says it this way. He says, for by grace, 
You have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Now, let me say, I love that. Because I can tell you if it was up to me to find out and work out my own salvation and I got to do all the things that I can do to make God love me, I can tell you I'm going to mess that up. But I love what he says here. It's not by what you've done, but it's by grace through faith that you are saved. But what's cool about it is that Paul doesn't stop there. Right? And he goes a little further. Here's what he says in the next verse. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Now what does he say? He says, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's what he's saying. It's not an either or, but it's a both and, that you aren't saved by your good works, but you are saved for good works. That when you come to Jesus and God does something inside of you, then it all of a sudden begins to produce something out of you. That's the idea. James says the same thing in a different way. He says, so in James 2.17, he says, so you see faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that faith that is alive is always producing in our lives. James 2.18, he says it this way. He says, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. And what, what he's kind of saying is if you see my deeds, then you know there's a faith that is alive inside of me. I'll give you an illustration. Um, you think about a fire, right? And if you got a fire and you, you build up this fire, what's it going to do? It's going to produce smoke out of it. Now, what's interesting about it is that the smoke doesn't create the fire, right? But if there's a fire, it's always going to be producing smoke. And that's the idea here that we get is that 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 faith creates good deeds out of us. And it's not the good deeds that give us faith. It's not the good deeds, right, that give us, that give us um, salvation. But when there is that moment of faith that is alive in our life, he's saying it's always gonna be producing out of us. So as we grow and as we surrender more and more of our life to Jesus, more and more and more good begins to flow from us. That's why we as a church, right, we're committed to helping you grow spiritually. It's part of our mission statement, right, that we're, that we're here for broken people to find healing. We want people to experience authentic community. The third part of that is, right, that we want you to grow spiritually. The reason why is because we know that as you surrender more of your life to God, as you walk this thing out of faith, and as you begin to grow spiritually, that it'll begin to grow, uh, that it'll begin to cause great things to come out of you. That's why we want you to plug into men's ministry and women's ministry. It isn't because we just want you to come and want, want to have some numbers here, but it's because we believe that it'll change your life. Believe that it'll change your family. That's why we want you to be a part. See, your faith is like a fire. And as that fire grows, the more smoke and heat it will produce. The more you surrender to God, the more it'll do. So here's a challenge to you. Yeah, and I think this is a challenge to me too, is that if we're discontent in our some areas of our lives, and we look at our lives and say, I don't like the actions that are, that are flowing out of me in those areas. My challenge is this. Surrender those areas a little more to Jesus. Surrender those areas to God in your life a little more. Because what, what, Paul, or what James here is saying is this, is that as we surrender and put our faith in God in those areas, that it begins to produce good out of us. I'll give you an example. When, uh, when we first got married, I thought I was going to be an awesome husband. And, uh, but I found out real fast that there's some things that, that I didn't realize. Like if you leave the toilet seat lid up in the middle of the night and she doesn't turn on the lights, you can get in a lot of hot water. 
And, uh, and uh, I mean, I found out all kinds of things. And we started walking into marriage. And, um, man, we, we loved each other. But there was things that I would look at my life and I'm like, more, man, I'm more selfish than I, than I thought I was. And I look at my life, man, I'm not handling these things just right. There's some things that I need to get adjusted. And I didn't like some of the actions that were flowing from me. And I remember in my car one day, I was driving, I thought, I'm not the husband I thought I was going to be, and I want to do a lot better at this. And I remember thinking, what I've got to do is I've got to grow in those areas, and the way that I grow in those areas is surrender those areas to God. So I started doing a couple things. I started praying um, when I was in my car, and I'd just say, God, I ask you, God, just show me how to be a good husband. God, just give me the wisdom to do these things. And I'd read in the Bible, you know, where are the places where he talks about how to be a good husband? How does he talk about how to love our wives? And I begin to surrender those things to God. And I'll tell you, I'm not a perfect husband now, but I'm way better than I was. Because as I begin to surrender those areas to God, give those things more and more to God, naturally out of me begin to flow better works in that area. And it changed our marriage. It changed our lives. Which brings me to the second thing this morning is this is that in these verses, we are promised that an alive faith will begin to produce good from our lives. We're promised that an alive faith will begin to produce good from our lives. And I I worded it this way on purpose, because here's the shift that I want us to make in our brains, is stop looking at this verse as a test and start seeing it as a promise. Because I think so many times we read the Bible and we think God's out to get us instead of realizing that God's out to help us so many times. And I think it's easy to read verses like this and say, okay, is he trying to catch us? What's kind of going on? This is like a, it's kind of like a check yourself moment. But I love that not only is it that, but it's a moment where there's a promise for our lives. Here's the way James says it. He says, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in tower. How foolish. And then he says this line. He says, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now that word useless is a Greek word that's called argos. Everybody say argos. Now you learned some Greek today. Argos. Now what that word means is if you get really into it, it's the idea of unemployment or that you don't have work or that kind of like a laziness. And that's kind of what the word means is that it's something that is unemployed, that doesn't, that doesn't have a job. And here's what he's saying is this, is that if your faith isn't producing from your life, it isn't employed. It's not working. It's not being employed in your life. It's kind of setting back in the back and it's not being employed. And here's the thing, the opposite of that is true as well. If you are employing faith in your life, if you're trusting Jesus, if you're surrendering to him, if you're following him in your, in your marriage and in your family and in your life and in your job and in your relationships and in your dreams, your faith can't help but begin to produce good from your life. And so for me, here's what it comes to is it's a promise that I say, there's some areas in my life that I look at and I say, I want to I wanna have more good works. I want my, my actions to line up with who I want to be. I want my actions to line up with Jesus. And in those areas, here's what the promise is, is that as I put my faith and not only believe in God, but I put my faith into him in those areas, that it will naturally begin to change the actions of my life. To me, that's a promise that I don't know everything. I'm not the perfect husband. I'm not the perfect pastor. But God, and I got some issues that I'm working through, but if I keep surrendering more and more to Jesus, it's going to begin to produce good from me. Which brings me to the final point today, and this is it. Number three this morning is this. Is that a faith that is alive 
will turn our worlds upside down. A faith that is alive, that's producing out of us, will turn our worlds upside down. It'll change my family. It'll change my city. It'll change my state. It'll change my country. It'll change my marriage. It'll change my kids. And let me say this. We are committed and invested in being a church that has an alive faith that is making a difference in this city. See, this whole week, right, we're doing Love Week. And what is that about? It's that we're committed to being a church that is committed to being alive, to going, to doing, to loving, to making a difference. Right? What I love about Grace Hills is that we're not a church that says we just believe in God. But we're a church that says we're going to put, we put our faith so much in God that we can't help but begin to do good in Northwest Arkansas. Acts 17, 6 is a cool verse. It's from, uh, it's talking about how some unbelievers, what they thought about Paul and Silas. And the way that they talked about Paul and Silas, these early believers, these early guys that were kind of in the church was kind of interesting. And they said this about them. It said that they were perceived as people by as the men who had turned the world upside down. Verse literally says these, when they were talking about them, that these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And here's our greatest desire for this church is that we will be known as a people, as a church that is turning Northwest Arkansas upside down for Jesus. That's that we so embody the love, the mercy, the grace, the compassion of Jesus that this city is completely changed by him. Let me say this, listen, the same God the very same God that worked in Paul and Silas and wants to work through you. God isn't dead. He's not gone. He's still alive and he wants to work through you. It's not like he said, oh man, Paul and Silas are great. I want to do some great things through them. But no, he wants to do great things through you too. God wants to work in our lives. God wants to work through our church. As a church, here's my challenge today. Let's be so surrendered in our lives and in our families and in our jobs and in our finances and in our marriages and in our thought processes and the way that we see things that we can't help but do good. Let me encourage you with the words of Todd Crowder that we only have so many days left. Let's use them to make a difference. Let's use them to make a difference. Let's be that kind of church. Let's be that kind of people. So here's my question to you today, and I think this is important, is what are the areas in our lives that we need to surrender to God more? What are the areas that we need to place our faith in him more? Because I think there, if we all look at our lives, there's some areas that are aflame for Jesus that we're, we're doing really well in. But if we're really honest, I think there's so many of us, and I'll say this about me, that I look at my life and there's some places that, that I've really fully surrendered and put my faith in Jesus, but there's some areas that, man, that, that need some attention. Some areas that maybe have a little baby fire in it that need to have a little bit fanned into flame. And so here's my question to you as a church. What are those areas for us? Because here's what I truly, truly believe. That God wants to use this church that God wants us to make a difference in our community, that God has a heart for Northwest Arkansas, that there are people in this community that he wants us to reach, people that he wants to find freedom, people that he wants to have find healing. Damn, there's so much that he wants us to do, but what is it gonna take from us? It takes us going to every area of our life and saying, God, I'm gonna surrender to you. 
whatever that area is. God, I'm going I'm to put my faith in you. I'm going to trust you in it. And here's what I know will happen. If we do that, I know that I know that I know that I know that God will use us to make a difference in this city. And that's something I want to be a part of. Like Todd said, I only got so many days left, and what I want to do is make a difference. And I want to say, let's do that. Let's do that as a church. Bow your head, close your eyes for me one second. I want to pray with you. And I want to just take a second. Just let the Holy Spirit kind of quicken in our lives. I think that as, man, as I was working on this sermon, there was areas of my life that he was <laughs> beginning just to highlight to me. Areas that, man, I need to put some faith in these areas. I need to surrender to him in those areas. And I want to just take a moment, let him speak to us this morning. God, we thank you this morning that you love us so much that you are a good father, that you want to do amazing things in this city. And God, we just pray today that you would use us in a powerful way, that we are a church that wants to be used by you, that we surrender our lives to you, that we surrender everything to you today. And God, we say that we want to be used by you to make a difference in this city. So together today, we join together and we say, God, use us, work through us. Whatever you want us to do, we will do. Whoever you want us to be, we will be. We'll go anywhere, we'll do anything, we'll pay any price to reach this city for you. We surrender it all to you today. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.